0: Brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your host Johnny T. And today, my guest is Matt Shope. Matt is a Jesus follower, a serial entrepreneur, an author, a keynote speaker, an aspiring paella chef, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and a Spanish coffee addict. He exists to inspire and ignite entrepreneurs to own and live their lives in business with excellence and has been recognized locally and nationally for his personal and business ethics. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for
2: having me. So good to be here today.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I love that you start your bio with the fact that you're a Jesus follower first and foremost. I've been seeing that more over recent interviews with people in the business world or whatever. And that is just so critical to our walk with God. We don't want to be ashamed of who we are in Christ. So tell me about your journey of faith and what brought you to that place of being like totally sold out for God.
2: No, thank you for letting me share. And I would be honest with you. And and I would say that if this was nine, ten months ago, I wouldn't have started my bio with that. And I was being bold in a lot of other areas of life and business. and worldly accolades, right? But I had a pretty cool experience just back in April and I'll kind of close out and share with that. But I found Jesus in the back of a police car in 2001. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was January 1st. It was 1.15 in the morning and the clock had just struck from New Year's Eve to New Year's Day. I was 19 years old. I was attending Colorado State University and I found myself at 1.15 in the morning, literally standing in the middle of a cold, deserted field in Fort Collins, Colorado. And I had never been so close to death in my life that I ever had. I was really addicted to drugs and alcohol. That was what I did on the weekends all the time. And I did a lot of it. And that was really just to numb and get away from just a lot of pains that I carried from experiences that I had growing up. We literally were at a house party, doing the drugs, doing the drinking. Police came, broke it up. I ran into the field and it's freezing in Colorado, right? Not as cold as where you are, but I'm standing (laughs) there like out of breath and I'm freezing. And I knew that my house was just due south. So if I just kept walking due south, like from a bird's eye view, I knew where I lived. But I end up getting turned around in this neighborhood and I walk up to the front yard of the house. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to keep going straight. I don't really know where I am. And I try to climb this fence. The fence is three feet high. It it should have been an easy endeavor. But I'm intoxicated. I'm high. So I'm trying to climb this fence. It's not working. I'm getting upset. And I'm lost. And I'm getting more cold this whole time. So I start fighting with the fence. I'm cursing at the fence. I'm screaming at the fence. I'm kicking the fence. And a car rolls up behind me. And I kind of see the headlights out of the periphery. Vision. Hear a door open, door close, and I'm still engaging with this fence, like in a mixed martial arts fight, right? With this fence. Yeah. And a guy comes up and grabs me by the collar, by the pants, spins me around, slams me onto the hood of a car. And I'm like, Whoa, what's going on? He says, I'm Fort Collins police. Put your hands behind your back. And as he's handcuffing me, I'm looking through the windshield and I'm like, oh, you're not a cop. This is a Brown Ford Astro van. And your wife is in the front and your two babies are in the car seat. So, this is the scene that's happening right now. And this guy's an off duty police officer. And I don't know if he had his radio on or he was just passing through, but he had me there in handcuffs till the police car pulls up. And a uniformed on duty officer puts me into the back of that car. And I'm like, hey, I don't know about you you've been in the back of one, not for the ride along, but for the, <laughs> the cuff and transport. They didn't place me under arrest it was the thing. They had just detained me. I'm in the back of the car. And the biggest thing I was thankful for is that I was warming up in the car because I mean mm. it was freezing cold. But get in there, and the first thing the officer does is what you would stereotypically think an officer does and how he or she responds is, what are you doing out there? You're breaking the law, boom, just a lot of judgment, a lot of, hey, you're in trouble. This is what's about to happen, reading me the riot act. And I'm sitting in this position, right? This guy has total control, power, authority. Decide where I'm about to go and what's about to happen to me. And he let me know that. He points at his queue of calls that they have coming up, and he said, you know what? I'm rolling around all night with guys like you running from parties and running through neighborhoods and my buddy's picking you guys up. So he's tag teaming with the guy in the Astro band, right? Like they've got a, they got a racket yeah. going and he just says, listen, I don't know if you've been to the drunk tank or been to jail you want to go there? And it was just, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm not feeling any better by this engagement. And now I'm scared. And he says, listen, just if you can tell me where you live and how to get there, then I'll take you home and let you go. I'm like, sounds good. I'm like, straight. Go straight. I need an address. So I didn't have idea. I didn't have any way for him to dictate. Like, he didn't know how to get me home unless I told him. So I, I told him how to get there. And the whole ride, it was moments of silence. Filled with moments of him dropping in how much he was in charge and how much he was in control and why was I doing this? And I felt, Johnny, this spirit of judgment and Mm. condemnation. And I'll tell you, like that was my experience with Christians and believers. So like the voices from my childhood is, hey, God doesn't exist. And if you think he does, go ahead and try that and see what happens. It'll probably screw you over. right? So close people that I trusted, that's the story they told. That's what I believed. And then they said, watch out for those guys. They're hypocrites. Yeah, we are. We're human. But it was that just watch out for them. So I was always on guard. So I was looking for these attributes and I was just really turned off based on experiences I had from other Jesus followers and Christians. And this wasn't. Treated well growing up, I got bullied, I got abused, I had a lot of experiences where I just didn't fit in. So all of this is like playing out in the back of this police car, and he takes me to the house, opens the door, pulls me out of the car, and lets me out of the handcuffs. I'm like, all right, I'm free. <laughs> and he's, I'm gonna walk you to the door, make sure you get home, okay? And and in that moment, like he totally 180 and he changed his approach, his body language, everything. He took this deep breath and he goes, hey, Matt. He goes, I just want to tell you something before I set you free, let you go. I came from a bigger department in a really big city and this was just a couple of months ago. And a couple of months before that, I remember a kid that was about your age, about your look. He was doing the same thing you were doing. And I went to pick him up. And by the time we got him to jail, like he didn't make it, he passed away. Mm-hmm. And then I had to proceed to drive his parents home, communicate to them that their son is dead. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy cow. And then he he didn't quote a Bible verse. He didn't say anything about Jesus. He didn't say anything about God. But at that moment, he said to me, hey, I don't know why you're doing all this, but I just want you to know that you are loved. There's people that love you. You've got a purpose here. You're here to do better things than you're doing. And I hope next time I run into you that you are. And he wasn't like John three sixteen. It wasn't any of that. Yeah, it was just yeah. a total, almost this secular, motivational, nothing attached to God. And he's like, Happy New Year sends me on my way, right? So I don't have this big burning bush, God coming out of the clouds moment, but I go home, pants out wake up the next day, I'm extremely sick. And then as I start coming to my senses, I'm just like, hold on a minute, this guy, it just, it hit me. And, and the point of what I'm about to share is sometimes where you're expecting God to show up is not how and where they show up. Mm-hmm. They can just show up in the most interesting of ways. And I go, this police officer had, again, control, power, authority, position, the badge, the everything to judge, condemn, do all of these things. And even as I was feeling that he's left and he gave me grace and gave me forgiveness Honestly, face value, maybe it's just he didn't want to do the paperwork, right? And maybe he felt bad, right? Intentions or not, maybe he just felt bad because he was coming down so hard on me and he wanted to give me a, a good send-off. But that literally removed the scales from my eyes of all of this previous judgment and these interactions. And I'm like, hey, I've been exploring Jesus. I've been presented with Jesus. I've been presented from a lot of different ways that weren't the most true ways. But there had been people that had been in my corner cheering me on. So like those next two weeks, Johnny, after that engagement, I picked up two books that I was given because I said, this isn't true and I'm going to prove it. And a friend of mine, he's a believer. He goes, oh, then you'll really love these two books by Lee Strobel. He, oh, yeah. any yeah. he said the same thing. And he actually went out and he spent two years, quit his job, did the work. You'll love his
3: book. He knew yes. what he was doing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so I pick up Case for Faith, Case for Christ, read those two books. And I'm like, oh, oh, man. So like he had to make a decision right at the end of that journey. And I'm like, I have to make a decision. And I said, I'm in. So, yeah, it was January 14, 2001. I turned my life over to Christ. And I would say there was this immediate transformation, right? Like never touched drugs again. I went out drinking the next weekend. Like just did That took more time for him to peel back. So it was a transformation. And then he's just been pruning these things back ever since.
1: Yeah, there's a saying that says you can't clean a fish until you catch it. right? Mm -hmm. And I went through a similar experience. Yeah, not with the police car and all that stuff, but definitely with the peeling away things. Something you said there kind of of struck my heart when you said that. He wouldn't know the way home unless you told him, right? Mm -hmm. And that really made me think about just the love of Christ. Like, he's trying to tell us every day, this is the way home. This is the way. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy late, and Mm -hmm. I'll give you rest. And he's continuing to do that every single day. Sometimes, as you say, very unique and interesting. Yeah. Sometimes quiet ways they're going to look for God. Well, He's not in that earthquake, and He's not in that rushing mm-hmm. river, and He's where is He? He's in the still, small, quiet voice that you might hear in the back, yes. that whisper, right? Yeah. And I'm just such a big believer that as we walk our faith out every single day, we don't know who God's going to put in our path. We don't know what we have to say. God says, when you're put before kings, you're put before judges, don't worry about what you need to say. He says, I'll give you the right words. It's no different when we meet people on the street or just in crossing. I'm not a believer in coincidence. I believe that there are divine interventions between us and the people around us. And obviously, that was a divine intervention in your
2: life. Yeah. Clearly, there's no other way to describe it. I mean, that's awesome. Well, and it was really interesting because in my faith journey, share an example because it's just the one I remember the most. Is as I'm doing all of this partying, I'm coming home to the dorms in college two two thirty in the morning, and again I'm intoxicated, I'm high, and I'm walking down the hall, and I hear I hear this guy, Brad. Right, sitting there playing the guitar in his cargo shorts, and they have a little Bible study in there, right? And they're singing the Jesus songs. and <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh man, like, again, like I had all this story being told to me. There's these yeah. weird, even in this guy in the sky, yeah. but they're but they're judging you. And right as I'd walk by the door, I'd stop and he'd go, oh, hey amen. Play a song, hey, amen. No, no, they're eating Chipotle, right? They're eating Chipotle. They're all hanging out <laughs> eating burritos or whatever they're doing, two in the morning. I'm like, I don't want a Chipotle. i am got the munchies. And he didn't invite me in. He's like, you drunk. Are you drunk again? Jesus doesn't like that. Like, oh, holy no. go, come on. So no. So it, it was like, it was that. It was, sure, sure, this guy's messed up. This gal's messed up. Just in, yeah. like, like invitation. And I don't even care if it was to Bible study or not. It's like, you've got some really tasty food. And I'm hungry. And, it, and he's like, are you drunk again? I could smell you coming down the hall. And it was just so, so he and I had this relationship. It wasn't of, hey, I want to get to know you. Why are you doing this? Hey, come yeah. on in. And you need to sit down. I just experienced that so with that experience I would challenge and encourage anybody listening to this if you're struggling to to really come to that point in your faith where you're like yeah I believe in this it makes sense but this experience happened you've got to remember that person is just one human on the planet that is doing their best to represent the God that they're viewing through their story and he's not doing it well so don't believe that is everybody don't believe that's on everything although that's going to be a pretty strong experience. This is happening and I'm running into lots of different people like that. So when you run into that, guess what? You're going to look for it more. Like when you want to go buy a red Mustang, all you're going to see is red Mustang. So all I (laughs) looked for were these hypocritical, judgmental Christians, right? Which there's some of, but there's also these really loving ones that were just cheering me on. They're like, Hey Matt, how was your Saturday night? And they knew what I did. You doing okay today? Just call a check-in like, "Eh, why is this guy calling? If you ever want to go grab a coffee and just hang out. So I think invitation is huge. And then also if you're a follower, I think for me, at least in my journey, I felt a lot of the times they're like, be bold in your faith, go save lives and, and tally up the people that you turned over to Jesus, do this big mm. altar call, make this big thing. No, just walk the drunk kid to the door, tell him he's loved or smile yeah. with the waitress at the restaurant that's having a hard day. You don't know what her last 20 years was and how. That showing of just love to somebody could remove some scales from their eyes or be a turning point for them. And then share your faith is the third thing is you have to share it and you're going to totally fumble it up. I mean, I have shared my story and my faith people where I just presented it so wrong. And yeah, it's probably done what it's done in their story, that you've, you've got to get out there and just share what you believe.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, what's, and we don't need to worry about that. I mean, everybody that comes to God is broken in some way, shape or form. Yeah. I would find it hard to believe that there's not one person that came to God without some kind of baggage. Or if there is, it'd be very few, right? And I mean, we need to share our faith in a way that people realize that it's genuine. And as you said to our audience that's listening, yeah, we can make mistakes and we can fumble things up and all that. But God doesn't change. God is exactly the same. His love for us never changes. One of the things that I thought was interesting in just how you uh, say that you exist to inspire. And so to me, that speaks of purpose. And I'm a big believer that God has a purpose for everybody. So what would you say to people that are listening who kind of struggles with trying to find their
2: purpose? Is that it's not something like where I say, oh, where did I leave my keys? And then here's my keys for me to come to that. What I have posted there on my website is that took a lot of peeling back layers of story and knowing where you've come from and where you are and just all of the layers of life is what I would say is if you're having trouble with purpose. One of the exercises I went through is go meet with the five closest people to you and just say, hey, what are those adjectives that describe me? Where do you see me light up? Where do you see what do you see that God has put in me? and I, I know sometimes it's easier to see that in everybody else other than yourself but just it's for me it's been a process of constantly discovering and searching my story and again working through a lot of that baggage and luggage that I carry and then I think there's also moments for me of I love going on podcast speaking mm-hmm. and sharing stories like I got told as a kid sit down shut up you talk too much stop telling all these stories <laughs> go do what you're told but that's just that moment where like my heart shines and, and I can feel it and then people go man I can really see that in you but the whole why do you exist it's not like, hey, what do you want to eat for lunch You want a burger you want a salad it's not this easy answer and an option like it takes digging and searching and if you feel lost just keep searching and, and turning things over i mean a lot of times it's here's what it's not
1: i agree there is a lot of soul searching that we have to do and god says if we seek him and search for him with we'll all our heart and find him and that's where our purpose lies right world will try to tell us a whole bunch of other things. A lot of people are gifted with talents and abilities and they can be used for God's purposes or they can be used to derail them from God's purposes, right? You have to be cautious. I think if you've been gifted athletically or as a speaker or as a musician or whatever it might be, we need to tread carefully with the gifts that God's given us.
2: It it is. And there's in the business world, they use this analogy of the sweet spot. So if you think of three circles is like, what are you great at? And what do people need and what do you love and where does that all combine? There's a need for it. And again, like there's worldly need for a lot of things, but like, where's Mm -hmm. their kingdom need? What has God blessed you with? And then what do you love doing? Like just what gets you super excited? You do it for free all day long. And right in there, there's something right there. For sure. And I struggled with this a long time. This is something I still like. I have conversations about as we own multiple companies and oh, does, does God want me to sell the painting company and maybe pass the real estate aside and just focus on this? And I go, I don't think he cares. I don't think he's looking at that going like, how do I, we glorify God within whatever we're doing? So that's another thing too. I think a lot of people they find their faith and maybe their purpose. What does God want me to do? I want you to glorify Him in whatever you do, and He will continue to lay those paths and open those doors. At least He has in my life, and close the ones that you're not supposed to go through.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of truth in that. Submitting our will to God's will is the first step, and then He says the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by the Lord. Right? As long as we're willing to lay down our own perceptions of what we think we should do, and allow Him to align it with His will then we're going to get that satisfaction and that purpose fulfillment in our hearts because we know we're doing what God wants us to do. And we should have that comfort level with that, right? As you said, it doesn't matter. Like you could sell everything today or you could keep everything today and buy more. I mean, it doesn't matter as long as God is first and you believe that he's directing your steps, then you're going to prosper in those areas, right? I know that we're a bit tight on time. but I did want to touch on your book, Painted Baby. Oh, yeah. Because it was really interesting for those of you who haven't read it. Matt can expand on it a bit. But just the bit about everybody having a story and not being scared to share that story. I think I could surmise it in those two brief yeah. sentences. And I think we've talked a little bit about that through our conversation so far. And so you talk about changing your story and storytelling. So let's just talk about the three C's of changing your story, if you can quickly capture those.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So the quick premise of the book is it stems from the fact that in life, leadership, business, and, and I'm sure our faith walk too, like we paint this picture of perfection. We put ourselves out there as the A plus shiny marketing brochure all the time, right? To promote mm-hmm. the best version of ourselves. You go to social media and you scroll and it's the perfect life vacation, all these things. But when we paint that picture of perfection, we actually miss moments in, in our faith journey, right? And business to connect with other people at a deep level. So I wrote this book because Painted Baby was actually an experience on a job site. Our painting company, we had a paint sprayer explode and it painted a nine month old baby that was mm-hmm. standing there with mom. That's a bad day at the office. <laughs> we decided we're never going to share that. I'm not going to share the drunk in the field story. I'm not going to share the business screw up. I'm not going to share the struggles. I'm going to park all that stuff away because society says we need to be perfect. And I go into a sales engagement and this customer calls me out because I'm showing him the pretty marketing brochure. He tosses it aside. He says, Thanks, crap. This is not the whole story. Tell me about a time you screwed up. So the three C's of changing your story is I would just say, hey, wherever any listener is, if you're a business person and you're presenting yourself a certain way, or maybe this is in your faith, maybe it's in your marriage, in a relationship, just take out the subtitle of the book, connect with clients. It's connect with anybody that's part Mm -hmm. of your life Mm -hmm. through brave and vulnerable storytelling. So you first got to realize the first C is being called out. This customer called me out. He said, hey, you're not all perfect and nobody is. And then I tell him this painted baby story and he engages like it hooks him. So once he calls me out, I go, huh, this guy's got a point. You need to take any kind of call out that you get and sit with it. I call that the consideration. Consider the future outcome, future trajectory. You can even break that C down into three more things, which is internalization, visualization, and then destination. Somebody says, hey, Johnny, you're, like, you're looking like you've been hitting those cheeseburgers a lot, man. It looks like you've been on a little bit of extra weight. Ooh, call out, right? Yeah. You sit here, right? You consider that. Let me take that in internalize that, right? destination, what happens, visualization, what happens if I continue there, where do I end up? And then the third C is where you end up is committing to change. So again, like even in sharing my faith story, I was never sharing it. I got called out Literally in April of this year by Lee Strobel. Face to face with Lee Strobel. He spoke at an event. I went up. I'm like, ah, maybe I can catch him. That would be cool. He turns right around, just awesome as guy. And I shared the story that I just shared with you about Lee Scar and reading his book. And he's like, Man, you're speaking. Are you speaking about that in the world you're speaking in? No, not really. I'll be out here today because of that. But yeah, like everybody has a story and some of your most powerful parts of your story are some of the ugliest, dirtiest secrets, imperfections, screw ups, mishaps. I call them painted babies. And when you go first and let another human know, Hey, I'm human too. They're like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Me too. And then you can connect at a deeper level and really build bridges and bonds with people.
1: Yeah. I you mean, know, I agree hundred percent with that. So if people want to find out more about what I know you have free tools on your website that can help people investigate where they are in life and
2: things like that yeah. and your story. So where would they go? Yeah. Just the mattshalp.com. Everything's there. Yeah. From free tools all the way up to the books. And then I do leadership ventures over to Spain with a lot of faith-based business owner.
1: That sounds like a lot of fun. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me end this one final question.
2: What's the one thing that you would tell people about God? Is that he loves you and he's there and you might not know it and you might not think it's true. Just quietly listen and reflect back on some of your last experiences and the most recent experiences. And search for him. He's there.
1: Yeah, I think that if we open our eyes and our hearts that we can definitely see things in our past and where God has kind of stepped in. We may have been going down the wrong path, but God's stepped in to either talk to us, warn us, or even forgive us if we've gone past beyond what he was trying to keep us from. So yeah, there's a lot of truth in that and that that's, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for being on the show. It's been a blast talking to you. And, yeah, thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, God bless you and all you do. You too.
3: Something got a hold on me. Oh, something got a hold on me. Oh, something got a hold. Something got a hold. Something got a hold on me. Oh, something got a hold. Praises. Yeah